Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. I want to thank my sponsors, Beckett Media, Beckett Creating, Beckett Authentication, ComC.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Hugs and Scott Auctions, Panini, Upper Deck, and Tops. I got a very interesting question. My Instagram that's managed said, <laughs> had 14 questions that were very similar and all related to uh, the episode that I did with Adam Gray, the basketball card fanatic, about you know, we had a little interchange, Adam and I did, since he's uh, publishing uh, magazines and reporting prices and has ads and things like that. There was a, a segment in there toward the end of the episode with Adam about conflicts between running price guides or creating magazines and putting stuff out there and continuing to be a dealer slash collector. This question asked by Keith <laughs> to your Instagram account best summarizes these 14 questions. So thank you, all 14 of you and others who thought the same thing. And especially thanks, Keith, for articulating. I, I shrunk it just a little bit, but I'm going to repeat what Keith said. And then I will mention my response in the middle and toward the end. So first, it starts out very nicely. Dear Dr. Beckett, loved your episode with Adam Gray. One of the many reasons the hobby holds you in high regard is the fact that you gave up dealing and collecting during your reign at Beckett. I'm glad I had a reign at Beckett. That's parenthetical. <laughs> As you felt, rightly so, that it would be a conflict of interest to both be a dealer and a collector and run the most popular price guide. And he says, in my eyes, it would be a huge conflict for you to have made any other decision. The assumption would always be that you have the potential to manipulate the price guide to serve your own collection and buying slash selling. Of course, I know that this thought would never have crossed. Let me stop right there and just say, you know, I'm not saying it didn't cross my mind, but it, I rejected that thought. A lot of thoughts cross your mind and you say, that's not right. But it was suggested and rumored and intimated all the time that people say, oh yeah, he's just buying up stuff and that's why it went up. And it, they were just ridiculous. There was never any substantiation. And if anybody would just follow me around, they would know that I actually was doing the opposite because people think, what would they do in that situation? Anyway, back to Keith's uh, letter. Okay. So he says, unfortunately, it's not like this at all today. The four main price guides in the hobby today, he's talking about market movers run by Jeff Wilson, Slab Stocks, Card Ladder, and Alt, are all run by collectors slash dealers who are all hobby personalities themselves. And each of them actively buy and sell, give card advice and picks, for example, like the top five cards to buy, and even actively talk down particular cards and players and set, like he gives the example of the Kaboom inserts. How can it be possible that these price guide companies can keep independent and conflict-free data while at the same time influencing the market with their opinions about the market, cards, and players? Let me stop right there and just say the data is the data. <laughs> Everybody now has access to the same data. So the question is, though, some of them have been vocal about how they are selectively, and they think to everybody's benefit, sanitizing the data, that they're going to exclude certain data that is not legitimate, that it's an outlier. Again, that's something our company did as well. I think that's not necessarily a bad thing. However, we were really very intentional about it, at least I was very intentional about it, not just selectively sanitizing data on the high end, but also on the low end. So we were trimming the data on both sides, the extra high sales and extra low sales. We really wanted to be tracking the mainstream. And one other point while we're talking about this with these other four, some I know better than others, but I think in each case, their goal is to be influencers. Their goal is to have a following. Uh, they have products, they have services, and they love the hobby. So their goal is to be an influencer. So they're going to talk about what people uh, want them to talk about. And that's what cards people should buy. And then they have these ways to track that. Okay, back to Keith's letter. 
He said, you made the, dist the distinct dist decision to not collect when you're running Beckett to avoid these kinds of conflict or even the perception of conflict. Yet today's price guide, the founders don't seem to think this is a problem at all. Okay, again, another aside. How is it a problem? It's not illegal. And they don't even believe it's unethical because I believe they are using their transparency as their shield. Because I think in many cases, they are uh, disclosing their positions of what they have bought or are intending to buy, what they have in their collection or what they're going after. And so I think in many cases, they think by telling people, being transparent about their motives, at least as they're disclosing it, that would allow you to evaluate this advice that they're giving in context with the fact that if I told people to buy Roberto Clemente, You'd say, wait a minute, he already told us that was his favorite player. Yeah, but if I'm doing a price guide, you can see that there could be more to it. But the transparency is not the same as uh, avoiding a conflict of interest. In fact, it's leaning into it. Okay, back to Keith's letter. Do you think it's possible to both influence the hobby and run a transparent, conflict-free price guide? Or do you think these companies should move back to a position closer to your original stance and focus on making a great price guide and stay out of the hobby market? Okay, again, um, my editorial comment here, should is the opera operative word. I'm not the czar of the hobby, and, and I don't think anybody else is. I made a choice in my time, and my choice was different, and I actually forced my choice on my employees. I cannot force a choice on these other independent price guides and serious, passionate hobbyists. So, in fact, that was a problem for some of my employees. They said, this is the way it is. You can't be a dealer. I, I do make a distinction between collecting and dealing. If you're collecting and not dealing, then you're just, you're buying to, to get it for your collection. You're not flipping it. Uh, you're not buying it because it's a good deal. You're buying it because it's expressly on your want list and you're picking it up, not at a steal, but at a fair price at that time. But back in the day, I was selling price guides. I was selling magazines. And that's where I was admittedly making the money. I wasn't making money from selling cards. I wasn't selling cards. I wasn't buying cards. But these guys, it's not always like that. They may be making more money from buying and selling cards than they are from having, for example, a free podcast or some other thing. So I can't be a judge for somebody else other than the uh, marketplace and uh, the audience out there is going to decide if they have a problem with it. If they have a problem with it, they'll, they'll, they'll turn them off or they'll change channel. But if they don't, they're going to say there are a number of these entities out there that are purporting to do price guides and price information. Again, that's very different from back uh, 25 years ago when I was in my prime, I suppose. We had such a dominant market share that if uh, it, we had a point even where we made a mistake and people followed it. We didn't make that many mistakes, but a mistake and the people think it must be true because it's there instead of saying that that's clearly a typo. So that was a, a power that we didn't take for granted, didn't take lightly. And so we were, I think, extra conscientious to avoid that. So as long as there are four of them and they're competing with each other, one of them is going to have an edge, perhaps, of being the purist, that they are not buying and selling what they're talking about. And then others may say, it's just not a big deal. In fact, we're putting our money where, we're, where our mouth is. So I don't think it's as simple, Keith. And I think the diligent collectors out there with a lot of information, they really should take the advice they get from anybody with a grain of salt. And that grain of salt is different. For example, if I'm talking about Roberto Clemente, you might think, I know that he may have a bias there. Keith uh, says, sorry for the long-winded question. Keith, sorry for the long-winded answer. So finally, I think it's unlikely that these entities, these four entities that are mentioned, there's going to be more of them. I don't think they're necessarily going to change. 
unless they think they can gain a competitive advantage by doing so. Again, I don't think transparency is enough. If you read the news, you can see that there's uh, Federal Reserve governors, uh, board members of companies, Martha Stewart back in the day, various uh, senators and congressmen. If you do insider trading or if you have some ability to influence the market, you're in trouble. You sometimes can get away with it by saying, I'm buying a house. That's why I'm selling this stock, whether it goes up or down. Next month, I'm going to sell this stock. And then if the stock craters afterwards or goes up or whatever, at least that's part of your transparency. At any rate, not a simple matter, Keith, but thank you and others for inquiring. Again, information is free nowadays. These people are expressing themselves in their hobby and, uh, Again, nothing illegal. I did what I did in my day. These guys are doing what they're doing in their day. So free world and you can follow who you want to follow. So thanks everybody and be back again on Monday.